Blog Talk Radio. First World Order Radio, finally, finally, we are on the air. No doubt. All right, all right. There's always going to be somebody in the building on First World Order Radio. We get on into some of that order consciousness tonight. First World Order Radio every Wednesday, 8 p.m. We got to talk about what is taking place on the planet. There's always going to be somebody in the building on First World Order Radio. First, we need to let you know we're going to be doing more shows, giving out more information on Wednesdays. Wednesday is 8 o'clock. We are now going to make this the hottest day of the week. Levels in time, order, and importance. The most prominent parts, voices, or instruments. Earthly state of human concerns and existence. An indefinite multitude, quantity, or distance. System regulates the bringer by specifics and the group based on value and natural characteristics. Current radiates electromagnetics of sound through the air, same that your thoughts transmits it. Proceeding levels in time, order, and importance. The most prominent parts, voices, or instruments. Earthly state of human concerns and existence. An indefinite multitude, quantity, or distance. System regulates the bringer by specifics and the group based on value and natural characteristics. Current radiates electromagnetics of sound through the air, same that your thoughts transmits it. Get your schedule, your schedule right. You need to know our intention straight out. All right, so, I mean, these clues are given throughout the various languages was to piece the puzzle of this ancient mystery school back together again. And what we plan on doing, both of us, is bringing y'all some surefire dynamite. We're going to take this level up a notch. We're going to have stuff to do here. This is not just going to be about philosophies and theories and shit that works. You have to activate the pipe in which that produced this black chemical called melanin. We, what we did was gave a hard line in the sand between the different definitions of esoteric study and exoteric study. Playtime is over.
once again, family, this is Brother Fahim Woodland L filling in for Dr. Eileen L. Bay for the night. And I'm here to talk to you about uh, a little bit about the history of the Olmecs and a little bit about the nationality, nationality and birthright issues. Also, there'll be a little history of the Moors. And first, we're going to talk about current events. I guess you've noticed on the news that uh, of the North and South Carolina earth, I mean, uh, weather disasters that they had there as well as China at the same time. It seemed maybe like a so uh what they call a so called coincidence, but I don't believe it was a so called coincidence since China and Russia had uh, decided to shut down the US corporation here, which they called the United so called United States government. So we all know those of you that know that there is no government, so there's only a corporation, you know. So they were trying to uh, decide to shut down a corporation here. So they got their weather machines together here, known as HARP. So I know some of you that know, the end of know, that know about HARP, how they create weather disasters and uh, typhoons and, and, and volcanoes and all this, you know. So I guess that was China's response to the U.S. corporation. Uh, 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 what they had done in China, but they had created a lot of weather disasters over there as well. So this is like a response to uh, what's going on here, you know. So I decided to share that with you. And also, um, well, I'm going to get on with the topic here, dealing with what's going on with the, with the first I'm going to start off with the Omex. And uh, I'm going to start off here Reading a book, it was uh, it's called The Mystery of the Omex by David Hatcher Childress. Yes, uh, The Mystery of the Origin of the Omex says here we can trace the progress of man in Mexico without noting our world influence during this period. 1000 or the 650 BC, except a strong Negroite substratum connected with the magician's high priest. This is in the Frederick Peterson, Ancient Mexico, 1959. And you know, they use the word Negroid a lot. You know, we know that we are not Negroids or Negroes or colored or black or African American. We all know this, you know, but um, uh, this is what he was talking about. He was referring to the Moors. Let me go on. The strange world of the Olmecs, the oldest and probably greatest mystery of early Mexico and North America in general, is the problem of the Olmecs. Olmecs are now often referred to as Proto-Mayans by academic archaeologists, or Olmans, meaning inhabitants of Olmen, the Olmec land, as it is now being called. When one looks at the enigmatic cave drawings, the gigantic, perfectly carved heads, the trademark frown, and the violent, militaristic look at the Olmecs. The emphatic question leads to the forebrain, who are these weirdos? Well, I can refer back to the book uh, American B.C. and Saga of America uh, by a Barry Fell, okay, uh, 
if you notice, he haven't uh, mentioned too much about the Omex in his books. I've noticed uh, we are dealing with the the Greeks and the other so-called Europeans that uh, that had so-called discovered certain lands in the Americas, but the lands was already discovered. They are talking about the so-called Europeans that uh, that were here before Columbus, but these were still Johnny Come Latelys compared to our people that already have been in this land maybe a whole, over 100,000 years, which the Olmecs date back to. So I'm going to go on. When one looks at the... Hold on, hold on, hold on. The strange world of the Olmecs is now is only now being pierced together, and their art Olmecs are often dressed in leather helmets, have broad faces and thick lips, plus broad noses have a mean-looking expression and could easily be likened to a bunch of angry African rugby players, maybe from Nigeria or Tanzania. While mainstream archaeologists assure us that the Africans never colonized Mexico or Central America, and that is very true. Only Europeans only came as conquerors, colonizers. We came as uh, the bring enlightenment and civilization to the rest of the world. Dealing with mathematics, medicine, agriculture, and so on and so on. Okay. The average man looks at these statues and heads and wonders how academia can make such a blatantly wrong assertion, one that is startling unscientific at its very core, even though it is a it is sanctioned by the hollow halls of academia to tell the masses of tur- and of tourists and students alike that these were not Africans. One must conclude that these academics are blind, insane, or both. They had to be. Anybody with an ounce of brain can see that the, the Olmecs, the, the, the bus, the big buses, and the statuettes of, of the Olmecs were Moors, or so-called black people. Anyone else in Brandon can see that. What they don't want you to know is you to know. This is this is the uh, the foolishness what they've been trying to spread around to our people, especially our people. But they want to tell their people what they want them to hear, that they know they want to hear. And that's all that's about. All right, moving along here. What is fascinating about this enigmatic civilization to us modern viewers is how they represented themselves. In addition to these showing Negroid features, many artifacts depict individuals who have Oriental or European features. It is therefore any very interesting to pay close attention to how the figures are presented, how they dress, the headgear they wore, the shape of their eyes, nose, ears, mouths, the way they held their hands, and the expressions on their faces. It is all wonderful art at, at its finest. The expressions and symbolism in the objects they hold are, are associated with seeing to indicate a high level of sophistication and a shared iconography. What does it all mean? Who are these people? Where are they isolated 
villages, or were they isolated villagers or strangers from a faraway land? Says said the discovery of the Olmecs. Until the 1930s, it was largely held that the oldest civilization in the Americas was that of the Maya. The great quantity of Mayan monuments, steles, pottery, statues, and other artifacts discovered throughout the Yucatan, Guatemala, and the, and the Gulf Coast of Mexico had convinced archaeologists that the Maya were the mother civilization of Central America. But some Maya artifacts were different from the main bulk of the artifacts and subtle ways. One difference was that some carvings of large heads had faces with more African-looking features than many of the other Mayan works. Mayan paintings and sculpture can be quite very, quite very, but the African-looking features seem distinctly un-Mayan. These African-looking heads often had a curious frown and often wore masses or appeared to be a half-jaguar, half-man beast. This recurring motif did not fit in with other Mayan finds. Have jaguar. I mean, sometimes, if you notice, sometimes I come on the air and I greet Dr. Arlene, I say, Ahahate Washita East. That means, may my spirit and your spirit come forth together and spring forth with the jaguar. That's what that means for those that you didn't know. I know the the youth and the audience do know, but um, but this is for the ones that don't know. Okay? All right, let me move it on here. In 1929, Marshall H. Saville, the director of the Museum of the American Indian in New York, these works as being from an entirely new culture, not of Mayan heritage, not of Mayan heritage, somewhat inappropriately he called this culture Olmec, a name first assigned to it in 1927, which means rubber people. In Nahuatl, the language of the Mexico of the Mexica Aztec people, most of the early anomalous artifacts were found in the Tabasco and Veracruz regions of southern Mexico, a swampy region exploited for natural gas, but in ancient times a source point for rubber. Ancient Mesoamericans, spanning from the Olmecs to Aztecs, extracted latex from the Castilla, Alistica, a type of rubber tree in the, in the area. The juice of a local vine, which is called Ipomia, Alba, was then mixed with this latex to create rubber as early as in 1600 B.C. and possibly earlier. Olmec was the Aztec name for the people who lived in this area at the much later time of Aztec dominance. Indeed, the Olmecs are now credited with creating the ball game. Imagine that. I'm going to say this again. Indeed, the Olmecs are now credited with creating the ball game. Played such a significant role in all Mesoamerican civilizations and the rubber balls that were used in the game the game may be even older than the Olmecs. In fact, ball courts and the Olmec Mayan ball game were popular even as far north as Arizona and Utah and as far south as Costa Rica and Panama. According to famous Mexican archaeologist Ignacio Bernal, 
Olympic type art was first noticed as early as 1869, but as another above, the term Olmec or rubber people was first used in 1927. Naturally, a number of prominent Mayan archaeologists, including Eric Thompson, who helped decipher the Mayan calendar, refused to believe that this new culture called the Olmecs could be earlier than the Mayas. Not until a special meeting in Mexico City in 1942 was the matter largely settled that the Olmecs predated the Mayans. The date of the beginning of the Olmec culture was to remain a matter of great debate. However, Bernal sums up the curious archaeological episode in his book, A History of Mexican Archaeology. Here's what he wrote. It seems barely credible today that except for a few isolated mentions, studies of small finds or travels such are those of Blom and Laforge or Weierstahl. These are uh, 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 archaeologists also. What we now call the Old Man culture was totally unknown. It was in fact only in 1938 that the Smithsonian Institution and the National Geographic Society began work in the area under enthusiastic leadership of Matthew Sterling. In a few years, they achieved the most sensational results by means of the exploration, a bit incomplete, of Trezapotis and La Venta. The extraordinary monoliths found in those cities and at the other places in the area to which Sterling was soon to add further equality marvelous finds from Cerro de la Masas, a site which is not not really Omen. It says here. A site that is not really Omec, though the finds to which I am referring are caused a great stir in the archaeological circles and threw up a whole series of problems of the highest importance for the understanding of the past. Perhaps the first of these problems was to what they are we to assign this culture. It is part of the horizon then still called the Archaic. It is a forerunner of the Maya and other cultures and thus the mother culture of Mesoamerica as a whole. Or are we dealing with a late local culture corresponding with the historic omic of the written sources? Each of these obviously related questions elicited a different answer. The somewhat skeptical position taken up by Eric Thompson, the, gen- the greatest of the Mayanists, parenthesis 1941, and many others with regard to the antiquity of the Olmecs was based mainly on his refusal to accept the very earliest dates ascribed to the stone inscriptions as on Stella, Siatres, Zapotis, and to the possibility that they might have that it might even antedate the Mayan calendar. In effect, another of the basic changes in archaeological dating was the discovery that the Maya calendar is not strictly speaking Maya at all. Check that out. But as but was in use before the first inscriptions of Uxatom was set up, the Maya therefore did now more than elaborate upon it, refine it, and make improvements upon it. The initial date inscribed on Stella C was much disputed, but there is now little doubt about it. 
Sterling's theory, formulated even before the discovery of the other half of the stellar, is the correct one. This proved not only that he had been justified in thinking of the date as very early, in fact, it strikes us now as being, if anything, too recent, but that the whole Olmec culture is earlier than the Maya. This was Enigma, and at this time, because we have already seen almost all the endeavors of the Carnegie and other institutions. North American, in particular, had been directed towards Maya research. The consensus of opinion that being not only that the Maya culture was the oldest, but that all the other Mesoamerican cultures had stemmed from it. At the, at the celebrated, celebrated meeting held under the aegis of the Sociedad Mexicana de Antropologia in 1942 to discuss the Olmec problem, archaeologists headed by Caso Carvarubias and Nugaraya, along with the Sterling, all maintained that the Olmecs belong within the Archaic or the Archaic horizon. Caso claimed that the Olmec is beyond doubt the parent of such other cultures as the Maya. The Teolatician and that of El Tajin, 1942-1946, the Caravubias, held that whereas other cultural com complexes share Olmec traits, this style contains no vestiges or elements taken over from other cultures, unless it be from those known as Archaic, parentheses 1942-1948. Valent was one of the, of the few North Americans to back up these theories, and, and he did so because in the course of his fine work on the Central Plateau, with which we are already familiar, he had come across archaic fig, figure, figurines displaying undoubted kinship with Olmec types. Eric Thompson, on the other hand, thought that the Olmec was a late culture within what we have now come to call the post-classic. Hmm. Just don't want to give up, do we? Hmm. Just, just can't stomach to see that that, that we were, uh, were the original people of the Americas, or the Aborigine indigenous people. Aborigine meaning those who you don't know. Aborigine meaning those the original inhabitants, the first of the original people of the land. Aborigine. Indigenous people mean natural people of the land. I just want to, uh, for those that didn't know, know that. Okay, let me go on. I get the name Olmec first used by Bayer to designate this particular art style has prevailed until today. Incorrect though it may be, it is a source of confusion because it is lifted from historical sources which apply the term Olmec to very much later peoples. In 1942, Jimenez Marino cleared the matter tip by showing that the name Olmec probably refers to the inhabitants of the natural rubber-growing areas. But even so, we have to distinguish clearly between the relatively recent bearers of the name and the archaeological Olmecs, which is why he proposed that these be called the Laventa people, to make confusion less confounded but the name given at, bat at baptism was not to be 
be shaken off, and is the one still used today. All the mess of Vandanda, the Tuxla, in 1942, the Omex were given a provisional starting date around 300 B.C., but somewhat later work, somewhat later work at San Lorenzo's carried out with the aid of radiocarbon analysis, the use of which was spreading throughout the, the area, showed that 1200 B.C. was a more realistic date. This fitted perfectly with what was, what was being discovered all over the Mesoamerica. It is a part of the general process that which has been discussed. 19th century scholars had been proposed fabulously early dates for the pre-Hispanic peoples, and it, and it produced in this century a vigorous counter-reaction, which in its turn condensed them too drastically. But after 1950, this difficulty was to be, be overcome by the use of dating techniques that are not essentially archaeological. So you see they had give um, some archaeologists a lot of trouble about the Olmecs being the first original people of the Americas or the Almoracs. Almoracs. But they had to come off of it. So, okay, let me move on here. Concerning the Olmec culture still remain unresolved, but its existence and its uh, importance are now beyond question. Work at a number of sites outside the limited areas. I have already mentioned a serious discussion of Mesoamerica archaeology as a whole. Research focused mainly on architecture, sculpture, and pottery. Without as a rule, paying much attention to those sidelines that we might call ethnological. In spite of this, the results were remarkable, and by 1950 there was an immense amount of material awaiting study. The old mix has been discovered. However, this discovery created more questions than there was answers. The discovery of the old mix seemed to cast into doubt many of the old assumptions concerning the prehistory of the Americas or Almorocks. Suddenly, here was a diverse-looking people who built monumental sculptures with amazing skill were the actual inventors of the number and writing system used by the Maya. The ball game with its rubber balls and even knew about the wheel as evidenced by their wheel toys. The greatest enigma was upon the archaeologists who were who were the Olmecs. Who were the Olmecs? That's the question. But we know who the Olmecs were. They were our ancient foremothers and forefathers. Um, especially some, even some of our own people, you know, well, most of our own people to, to, to this day still don't really uh, give honor and homage to our ancient foremothers and forefathers. And that's why a lot of our people don't realize, most of our people anyway, don't realize that's why we are the most disrespected people on the planet Earth. Because every other culture or race honor their ancient foremothers and forefathers except our own. I mean, you, both those of you that are national moors, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that are, are you know, that highly uh, cognizant of who you are, you know what I'm talking about. For instance, 
uh, welfare is people look at you kind of funny, you know, in some areas. You know, it's basically in the St. Louis, Missouri Republic. Or you wear a turban. People look at that, why is he wearing that? But they don't know that this is part of their culture. This is who they are. You might have some that may sneer or snicker at us, you know, but that, that, uh, that's their ignorance of them laughing at themselves, at their own culture, because they haven't been taught. And that's for us as nationalized Moors, like Dr. Arlene Kadira, uh, Taj Tariq Bey, Abdullah Bey, uh, uh, Brother Hakeem Bey, you know, and other, other brothers like myself and sisters like you know, like us, we ought to get out here, and uh, brothers like us, we're going to get out here and get the word out. And we really need to get the word out now because stuff is really getting ready to come down the pipe. Like I said earlier, they're getting ready to just shut this corporation down. They're getting ready to shut it down. You know, it's a matter of time. That's all it is. That's why I'm on this blog talk show today to talk about the history of our people of our ancient foremost and forefathers, you know, they could put some enlightenment in some of our people. And today, you know, uh, all over the country, we have us each other uh, way uh, 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 exceed what the police is doing to us, or you could say policyholders, because they are not police officers. And this is for the lack of history, the lack of knowing self, the lack of knowing who we are. And that's all this is about, the lack of education about who we are as a people. And I would guarantee you, if we all knew who we really are, we all knew that we were Aboriginal indigenous Moors or Native Moors or Native uh, American Moors of the Almoroccans, Half of this stuff in our neighborhoods wouldn't be going on. Of course, you're going to always have crime. Of course, you are, but not to the degree that it is is today. If we really know our history and know who we are and and uh, take our place among the world, among the affairs of men, that's probably no more Drew Ali was saying. Okay, let me go on book. Okay. Still orthodox archaeologists such as the well-known British writer and archaeologist Nigel Davies maintained that the Olmec could not be the result of any transatlantic or transpacific contact, says Davies, discounting the more romantic notions of an Olmec seaborne migration. Doubts persisted as to which part of Mexico was their place of origin. Since they were later present, present in almost every region, the problem has been hotly debated. Miguel Garubias became convinced that the Olmec civilization first flourished in the state of Guerrero, bordering on the Pacific Ocean. But one little support for this view, others have insisted with equal force that they originally came from Highland, Mexico. However, a fairly broad consensus now maintains that their heartland or home territory lay in the rubber land of southern Veracruz and Tabasco. 
Davies is essentially saying that the Olmecs may have originated at Mount Alban in the Oaxaca Highlands, Oxitolan, or Yuxlahuaca near Acapulco on the Pacific, or most likely at Trezapotes and La Venta in the swamps along the Gulf of Mexico. All of these areas have known Olmec sites. The idea of these strange so-called Negroid heads might be the result of early African exploration. Seems totally alien to the historians and archaeologists who have taken over the archaeology of the Americas. As a, the Americas, which is which is a uh, misnomer for the uh, for the word um, Almorox. Al Morocco is uh, Al Moroccan or Al Morocco is the ancient name for America. The other name, ancient names, are Amuruka, A M U R U K, Amurican, or A M O O R I C A N, Amurican. Those are the ancient names of the of the, of the Americas, or what they call the Americas today. Okay, I had to put that out there for those that didn't know says, despite the depictions of various lords, kings, travelers, magicians, whatnot, that look like Africans, Chinese, bearded Europeans, or some other strangers, most professors, teachers at our major universities maintain that they were not evidence of ancient pre-Columbian explorers. They admit, though, that the people might erroneously get this idea from a superficial view of these various statues and carvings. So even to mainstream historians, the origin of the Olmecs is a mystery. In the realm of alternative history, many theories exist on how so-called Negroids arrived in Central America. One theory is that they were con- they are connected with Atlantis, a part of the warrior class of that civilization. They were tough and hard-bitten, or perhaps they were part of an Egyptian colony in Central America, or from some unknown African empire. Others have suggested that they came across the Pacific from the lost continent of Mu as they shang are Chinese missionaries. Similarly, there is the curious association of magicians or shamanic sorcerers using magic, mushrooms, and other psychedelics. To many of the other studies, magicians from Africa, China, or even Atlantis you know, they always talk about uh, Mu or Ilmoria, as Dr. Aline had committed in his book, The First World Order. Uh, they call it Lemoria, but uh, actually it's Ilmoria. That was presented that way as Lemuria to throw you off. Ilmoria, Amoria Moors, you know, where the Moors, uh, the other land that our Aboriginal indigenous ancestors dwell like Mui or Hawaii and all of the places like that. That comes from the move from uh Atlanta Mu or Lemur or Le or Elmuria, as I would say. Okay, let me move along here. Are the Omex trans oceanic oceanic colonizers? That's a question. It is not known what name the ancient Olmec used for themselves. 
Some later Mesoamerican accounts seem to refer to the ancient Olmecs as Tamonchin. The classic period for the Olmecs is generally considered to be from 1200 B.C., ending around 400 B.C. Early form of the Olmec artifacts are said to go back to 1500 B.C., and probably earlier. No one knows where the Olmecs came from, but the two predominant theories are, one, they were Native Americans derived from the same Siberians, uh, same Siberian stock as most other Native Americans, and just happened to accentuate the Negroid genetic material that was Latin in their genes. Oh boy! Number two, they were outsiders who immigrated to the Omen area via boat, most likely as sailors or passengers on transoceanic voyages that went on for probably hundreds of years. Well, I can tell you one thing. We don't, we don't know what they called themselves at that time, but they didn't call themselves black. I can tell you that. Now, I don't know what they called themselves then, but they damn sure didn't call themselves black people or African Americans or people of color. They didn't call them no crazy mess like call themselves no crazy mess like that. I can tell you that. Okay, let me move on. In the center of debate about the origin of the Olmecs is the classic struggle between isolationists who think that ancient man was incapable of transoceanic voyages and therefore nearly every ancient culture developed on its own and diffusionists who think they, that ancient man could span the oceans which explains the similarities in widely disparate cultures. There are a few proponents of diffusionism at the traditional academic level. Ivan Van Sertima of Rutgers University in New Jersey actively promotes the diffusionist theory that ancient man crossed both the Atlantic and the Pacific in prolonged close oceanic contact. In his books, African Presence in Early America and African Presence in Early Asia are filled with articles and photos that show without a doubt that so-called Negroes had lived literally all over the world, including the ancient Americas. While Van Sertima does not bring in such unorthodox theories as Atlantis or a, last, or a lost continent in the Pacific, he is clearly of the belief that so-called Negroes in ancient times developed a many advanced civilizations and lived all over the globe, which is true. So we were the first that we at one time we were the only people that were here. This is not racist talking. This is not biased talking against any other race or culture. It is fact talking. There's not uh, any kind of ill feelings toward anyone or so-called white people, which are Europeans or Asians, Mexicans, Hindustani, people from Hindustan or what they call India today. which a lot of them derive from us anyway. A lot of them won't tell you. So let me move along here, okay? It says here, okay, unfortunately most of the writers in the academic field prefer to champion the isolationist theories to the virtual exclusion of the diffusionists. In the recent scholarly book by Richard A. Dial, 
the Olmecs, America's first civilization. Thou was only one was the was the Adal has only one paragraph on the subject saying this is what he had to say here. Listen, Morris. The origin of Olmecs culture have intrigued scholars and lay and lay people alike since the Zopides. Colossal head, eye a gigantic stone, human head with vaguely negroid features was discovered in Veracruz 140 years ago. Since that time, Olmec culture and art have been attributed to seafaring Africans, Egyptians, Nubians, Phoenicians, Atlanteans, Japanese, Chinese, and other ancient wanderers. As other, as often happens, the truth is infinitely more logical, if less romantic. The Olmecs were Native Americans who created a unique culture in southeastern Mexico, Asmus of Tehuantepec. Archaeologists now trace Olmec origins back to pre-Olmec cultures in the region, and there is no credible evidence for major intrusions from the outside. Furthermore, not a single bona fide artifact of Old World origin has ever appeared in Olmec archaeological sites or, for that matter, anywhere else in Mesoamerica. With this paragraph, Dial summarily dismisses all theories and evidence of transoceanic contact. We don't really know what a bona fide artifact would be, since old world and new world articles were often identical, as we shall see. Also, we are given no further information on the pre-Olmec culture that the Olmecs are presumably derived from. But for the Olmecs to actually be Africans, not just look like them, they will certainly have come to the essence of Tehuantepec via ship. But since such voyages are dismissed immediately and there will be no further discussion of it, the Olmecs simply have to be local boys who have always pretty much been there. At some time in remote pre- uh, prehistory, the early genetic group walked into this Olmec heartland area. According to Dale, the Olmecs would have been an isolated group within the re- their region as well with little contact with, with, with other tribes in the isthmus of Tehuantepec, says Dale. We don't know what these people call themselves, or if they even had a term that encompassed all the inhabitants of Omen. There is no evidence that they formed a single unified ethnic group, and almost certainly no Omen considered, considered uh, people living more than a few years walk away as members of his or her own group. Nevertheless, the numerous independent local cultures were so similar to one another, the modern scientists consider them a single generic culture. Hmm. Check that out. I'm going here. Okay. This strong statement bears repeating almost certainly no Olmec considered people living more than a few hours walk away as members of his or her own group. If the Olmecs were isolated from neighbors only a few hours walk away, they certainly wouldn't have had contact with people across the ocean, would they? That's a question. As we 
progress with this book, we will examine just how accurate a statement this is, one that is largely accepted in many universities today, but we're almost certainly seem to be wrong. The old Max settlements, according to Dale, rose up independently of Mesoamerica without the influence of any other culture. I'm going to read this again. The Olmecs settlements, according to Dale, rose up independently in their in their corner of Mess America without the influence of any other culture. That means we took on no no culture from any other people, but our own. Okay, let me move on. There are suddenly began the making monumental statues out of basalt, one of the hardest and most difficult stones to carve and, and make large structures and with sophisticated drainage systems, but they weren't lit, but they weren't really their early neighbors. The spread of Olmec like artifacts were achieved only later when Olmec styles were used by other more widespread cultures. Dial was was actually proved wrong on this account when it was announced in January 2007 that an Olmec-influenced city had been found near Cuernavaca, hundreds of miles from Olmec's Gulf Coast territory of Zazacatla. Uh, announcement at this time stated that a 2,500-year-old city influenced by Olmec's often referred to as the mother culture of Mesoamerica, has been discovered hundreds of miles away from the Olmec Gulf Coast Territory, archaeologists said. This is from the National Geographic News, January 26, 2007. Okay. More on this in the last chapter of this book, but archaeologists have now concluded that the Olmecs inhabited a very large area of southern Mexico, much greater than had ever been imagined. This discovery is not really surprising since the Olmec city of Calcazingo, near Mexico City, was excavated and written about in the 1970s. Hmm. So the preponderance of the evidence shows that the Elmecs were very aware of the villages near to them and aware of cities and peoples quite far from them, where they are aware of transoceanic civilizations as well. Well, that's a question. Were they aware of transoceanic oceanic or civilizations as well? Dale's book, already outdated, though published in 204, is an interesting but fairly dry read. Not only does he refuse to discuss Negroite features and transoceanic contact in his book, but except for one brief mention below, there is no discussion of cranial deformation at all, which is one of the more curious habits of the Olmecs and the Maya, and it is found among many other cultures worldwide. The Olmecs had many unusual similarities with the Maya and other transoceanic cultures, such as the reverence for jade and exotic feathers, the use of hallucinogenic mushrooms and other psychedelic drugs, and the use of hieroglyphs on stone, stele as markers. <clears throat> it says here, says Dial, a dial of the artifacts found at the Old Mink burial at Co. 
One high stature woman was laid to rest with fifteen pots, twenty clay figurines, two pieces of red painted bright green jadeite that might have formed part of a bracelet, a crystalline hematile plaque, a bone fragment with traces of afresco paint and miscellaneous stones. Other burial held the remains of a male whose skull had been deliberately modified in infancy and whose teeth were trimmed into geometric patterns as an adult. He may have been a shaman since all the objects placed with him were largely part of a shaman's power bundle. They included small metates for grind grinding, hallucinogenic mushrooms, clay effigies of mushrooms, quartz, graphic, pitch, and other exotic materials that could have been used in curing rituals. A magnificent ceramic bottle placed in his grave depicted a contortionist or acrobat who rests on his stomach with his hands supporting his chin while his legs bend completely around so that his his feet touch the top of his head. Could this be a masterpiece by an effigy of the actual occupant of the grave? Indeed, Dow almost gets excited about the Omex. Could they actually be psychedelic jaguar shamans who like to make monumental heads to keep themselves busy? These are questions. The Omex, by any standard, are fantastic, amazing, confusing, psychedelic, and in some cases, just plain weird people. We do not know where they came from. We don't. We don't know why they were hit. They were there. Why don't? Why don't? We don't know what their mission was. In short, we know very little about them. All we really know is that they are old and they are strange. <laughs> While it is easy to see them as proto-Mayans and citizens of Omen, however large that, large that country might have been, we should have considered them as the fantastic proto-Mesoamericans they may have been, psychedelic aliens who use lasers to cut colossal basal heads, Atlantic refugees who may have made a last stand in Tabasco or or Shang, Chinese missionaries taken from East Africa or Melanesian Malaysia are, are specially trained to administer to Pacific, later Atlantis ports of the Asmus, uh, to Hawantapak, or perhaps a people originally from the Atlantic side of all along having come from Africa, possibly as a military force from Egypt or West Africa circa 1500 B.C. There are many possibilities. So with an open mind, let us look into the mysteries of the Olmecs their fantastic art, and their sophisticated technology, their usual number system, call it the unusual number system, they say it, writing system and other customs, what we find may surprise us. We are likely to find that the Omex were geniuses, but many other cultures have surprisingly similar ideas. This is why they say the unusual number system because they can't understand it. It's too far advanced for them to understand, so they're going to call it unusual. So you got to read between the lines what they be saying about our ancient foremothers and forefathers sometimes. Okay? 
uh, these are still European scholars, you know. So all right. Not mean that they're not telling the truth at times, but sometimes they kind of kind of, you know, uh kind of mix things up from time to time. You know, so okay, let me move it on here. Omen, the land of the Omex. The Omex are said to have occupied the land of Olmen. This was a designation that the Aztecs used to describe the jungle areas of the nearby coast. The traditional definition of the Omex is that they were an ancient pre-Columbian people living in the tropical lowlands of southern Mexico, roughly in what are the modern-day states of Veracruz and Tabasco. In the asthmus of Tatuanapac, their immediate culture influence went much for, much further, though as their artwork has been found as far away as El Salvador and Costa Rica. The Olmec heartland is thought to be an area of the Gulf of Mexico, coastal plain of southern Veracruz and Tabasco. This is because the area boasts the greatest concentration of Olmec monuments as well as the greatest number of Olmec sites. This area is thought to be the most northerly area of the Mayan, rim, Mayan rims, with such as such sites as Camaco as the northernmost Mayan city along the Gulf Coast of the Asthmus of the Tetuanapec. This Olmec heartland area is about 125 miles long and 50 miles wide, as a parenthesis at 200 by 80 kilometers system running through the middle. The Olmec heartland is characterized by swampy lowlands punctuated by low hill ridge over volcanoes. The Tuxla Mountains rise sharply in the north along the Bay of Campeche. Here, the Olmecs constructed permanent city temple complexes at several locations. San Lorenzo, Tenochtitlan, usually just referred to just as San Lorenzo. La Guana de los Carros, Tres Zapares, Lee Majara, and Le and and Le Venta. They also had great influence among uh, beyond the heartland from Chacazingo, far to the west of the high in the highlands of Mexico, and Ezapa on the Pacific coast near what is now Guatemala. Olmec goods have been found throughout Mesoamerica during this period, including south along the Pacific coast of El Salvador and as Costa Rica. The Olmec Domain extended from the uh, Tuckless Mountains in the west of the lowlands of the Chantapa in the east, a region with significant variations in geological or geology and ecology. Over 170 Olmec monuments have been found within the area and 80% of those occur at the three largest Olmec centers, La Venta and Tabasco, State, which is 38%, St. Lorenzo and Veracruz State, 30, 30%, and La Guana, the Los Carros, also in Veracruz State, 12%. These three major Olmec centers are separated from east to west across the domain so that each center could exploit, control, and provide a distinct set of natural resources viable to the overall Olmec economy. La Venta, the eastern center, is near the rich Escajal, provided cocoa, rubber, and salt. 
San Lorenzo at the center of the Olmec domain controlled the vast flood plain area of Cocos Basin and River Lion trade routes. La Guana de la Coros, La Guana uh, de la Cerros, adjacent to the Tuxlas Mountains, is positioned near important sources of basal, uh, basalt and stone needed to manufacture metals, mentates, and monuments. Perhaps marriage alliances between Olmec centers help maintain such an exchange network. Check that out. Hmm. Yeah, this is the this is the history of uh, our ancient foremothers, which is the and fathers, which is the the Washita, the United Washita, Dijabamandia, more empire nation, has derived from the Olmecs. These are our ancient foremothers and forefathers. This is our history. Those of you that are listening, I hope you can get the book called "The Mystery of the Olmecs." by David Hatcher Childress, spelled D-A-V-I-D-H-A-T-C-H-E-R, Childress, C-H-I-L-D-R-E-S-S. Okay, I'm going to say it again here. David, well, most of you know how to spell David. Uh, the middle name is Hatcher, H A T C. H E R, his last name. His last name is C H I L D R E S S. Interesting book. It must be a part of your library. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go on a break here and I'm going to come back here with some nationality and birthright issues and some more history of our more heritage. All right? Be going for five minutes.
Okay, I'm back once again. All right. I'm going to read this article here first about the boule. It says here, the most prestigious of all these black groups is the boule, a fraternal organization founded in 1904. But many say that all these groups found their roots in the oldest surviving so-called black fraternity men's organization as the Prince Hall Masons. Says by a gram, our kind of people inside America's black upper class, 1999. Okay, this is the foundation of the colored race card game with unconscious Moors in North America. Many unconscious Moors didn't want us to be affiliated with a the Negro, so instead engaged with the Europeans on a professional level. The integration of so-called black men into the so-called white society created this colored label. Majority of the black upper class were of mixed Moor and melanin descent. The boule are the black professionals who are deeply rooted and comfortably socializing and building a successful career among European businessmen and philanthropists. This integration is what created the colored case system. The colored label in this early stages were to distinguish between the nappy-headed Negro slaves and the good-haired mixed boule so-called blacks to further prove the oneness of the elite blacks to be recognized, the boule adopted the fraternal name Sigma Pi Phi, but claimed that it has no ties to Greek letter college fraternities. Okay, yeah, whatever. This is the same concept as melanin beings calling themselves Africans, but saying that, but that there has no connection to Scipio Africanus, the Roman general. Africa is named after. Now, let me stop right here. Let us all stop right here. Uh, I'm, I'm going to repeat this again. Listen to this again, okay? It says here, this is the same concept of melanin beings calling themselves Africans, but saying that has no connection with the Scipio Africanus, the Roman general Africa is named after. Now, Africa is not named after the Scipio Africanus. But those who you believe Africa was, it was not. It was long called Africa before the Roman general Scipio Africanus. Okay? If you look at uh, read Dr. Aline's book, uh, The First World Order, he will tell you the meaning of Africa if you read his book. If you break the name down, Africa, it, it has Africa, the sun or the sun god, ka meaning soul or spirit of the people. It has nothing to do with Scipia Africanus. Okay? I wanted, to, I wanted to kind of break that down to you, you know, before I go any further. Okay, let me go on with this. This is a book by uh, Grand Sheik Brother Kujo Abuel, Okay? says here, you are not black, you are not Negro, colored, Morisco, nor an African slave, which is true. Okay? But let me move on on here. It's not, uh, uh, just wanted to correct something about Sibir Africa News. 
you know, have much respect and much love for Brother Kujo Ewell, you know. Don't get me wrong, you know. I just spoke to the brother not too long ago. The brother is based in Canada. That's where he domiciled. Good brother. Okay? All right. And and, and if you listen to this tonight, uh, keep up the good word, my, my, my good brother. All right. Now, we'll go on here to solidify the unification of the colossal of the colonial masters. <coughs> and the black elite, the British Grand Lodge gave Prince Hall permission to begin a black version of the organization, and Prince Hall was given the title Most Worshipful Master. Now, for those of you who didn't know that Prince Hall actually was a cipher or a code name for uh, Benuel Muali Bey, uh, Benjamin Emmanuel Muali Bey. Actually, it was his Lanaka or Banaka. Benjamin Banaka or Benjamin Banaka. Emmanuel Muali Bey. That was his actual name. But it's, like, it's just like Francis Bacon having uh, 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 William Shakespeare as his cipher. The same thing goes for here. Francis Bacon's cipher was William Shakespeare in what's called the Holy Bible, the King James Version of the Holy Bible. Okay, let me move along here. Okay, it says here, that the Prince Hall permission to begin a black version of the organization Prince Hall was given the title Most Worshipful Master. The word boule was used because it, it meant Council of Noblemen or Senate. The members were such referred to as archons, with the president known as Sire Archon, and other officers take Greek titles such as Grammatus. Excuse me. Grammatus, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that name. But anyway, our kind of people inside America, black upper class. It says it's Grammatus uh, Theosaurasis. I'm trying to pronounce his name. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing it right or not. So bear with me here, boys. The level of ignorance among our people is enough to have the world want to get rid of this Negro, black, color race of fictions just to begin to understand the severity of the brainwash. Let's examine one of these Greek titles. Archon, one of the nine principal magistrates of ancient Athens. But how many people know that Athens has a deep rooted and ancient Kemet? Athens Athens or Athena Athena is not actually a Greek term or a Greek name or a Greek word. You read it, I suggest you read the book called The Black Athena by Martin Banal, volume one and two, by Martin Banal. He is a European author that wrote the uh, that wrote on that subject. Okay, let me keep let me go on here. <clears throat> According to Greek mythology, Zeus, the father of the gods, who was Ethiopian ancestry. Black mace with the the fair Greek maiden, lo, to have a mulatto son, a Paphos, born in Egypt. So 
Okay, it is fact. It is a fact that Europeans feel more comfortable around less melanated people than they do around higher melanated people. Direct experience and observation has shown us that light skin, so-called light skin, blacks as they are misrepresented, receive better job opportunities from European employers. Yet these brothers that are that are, we are pushing up against the wall have taken a sworn oath that they will never expose the Europeans that they know that ex- actually runs the world. Alonzo Herndon, uh, Herndon was Atlanta's first black millionaire and has, and his business included a 25-seat men's barber salon that employed only so-called black barbers and served only so-called white businessmen. The essence of the boule is to fit into European structure of society to see what the most privileged so-called white person has in life. The temptation to kill themselves as a melanin being was based on the misrepresentation of the Moor, calling themselves black and thinking that their system which can be, be better if they pass. The foundation of the boule is Ivy League educated yet unintelligent, unconscious Moors thinking they need to pass pass for so-called whites in order to receive some privileges from the occupying inquisitioners of North America. Think of a manner in which is to kill yourself off in the minds of so-called black people who know you are and your family. If your family and siblings are willing participants in assisting you that can say that they can say that you now live outside the country, have entered a cult or have died, develop associations with organizations and institutions that will buttress your resume, convert to a Presbyterian church or Republican Whig party, contribute contribute to charities like Daughters of the American Revolution. If your physical appearance make it possible claim to be of white European background or darker European or Middle Eastern background, never claim an ethnic group from Africa or America. Enhance these physical features that can support your new new identity. Lightening your hair, color, narrowing your nose, thinning your lips, and adopting a more conservative style and clothing and speech are all simple steps that can aid your transition. Avoid sitting with or being photographed with black people because if you have any vaguely black features, these characteristics will be exaggerated and suddenly make you seem quite similar to real blacks standing near you. If you if members of your family you have divorced are willing to support your efforts to, in trying to pass, always meet them on neutral territory where neither you or their their work live or socialize. Hmm. If the black relatives you have divorced are not willing to support your efforts, make a complete break from them because they can too easily undo the facade you have created in your own and your new community and new life. To avoid having a throwback, child considered the adoption so-called white children. Mm. That's really jacked up. 
I ran into her and confronted her at the several years ago, but the lies were so outrageous and so well rehearsed that I couldn't get through to her. It absolutely amazes me how white people can't see the black in her. She even has the southern black twain. If if she's going through so much trouble to live in the white race, they can have they can have her. This is how really jacked up our people have become. They really have. Here, what Brother Edward L. have put in, uh, he says here, uh, it's called abandonment. Okay, abandonment. The giving up, the giving up a thing absolutely without reference to any particular person or purpose. As throwing a jewel into the highway, leaving a thing to itself as a vessel at sea, vacating property with the intention of never returning. So what it may be appropriately by another black. This is about a Black Law Dictionary 1957 edition, and he's right. He's very right about that. The brother has done a lot of excellent work especially in Canada, dealing with a lot of uh, dirty moors and these funny uh, moors, temp- uh, <clears throat> funny moors uh, temples of sciences as well. I have to commend that, brother. Okay? Okay. Here we have here. You have the law, order, government principles, come and link yourself with the families of nations. Come ye, all Asiatics of North America, and hear the truth about your nationality and your birthrights. This is by Noah Duali. Okay? I'll read this here to you by Taj Tariq Bay. More, capital O, double O R or slash Moore, capital M-W-R, okay? It's the rightful and correct name of the natural peoples of North America, Central America, South America, and Americana. Moore is the ancient, is the, is, is the ancient before the great Christian books burnings, before forced and reconstructed history and prior to the revolution and the union of 1863 A.D., A.D. meaning in the year of domination. Moor is derived from Moroccan, from Moroccan, which is descended from Moabite. The word name or title Al means coming down or descended down from Dusley. Al Moroccan means Moor or Moroccans who are descendants of the ancient Moabites. The aboriginal and natural peoples of the land are Al-Moroccan, as referred to the dialectically altered name American. This primogeniture history, in fact, supersedes the modern nomenclature such as Indians, Africans, Negroes, Blacks, and Colors, etc. For those who may be confused about the difference Spellings of more and all more. Let us correct and address the misconceptions. 
Moore, capital M W U R and and Moore, capital M double O R R one and the same. The vowels O and U are interchangeable. The vowel U is also rightfully and correctly used by many Moabites due to the fact that the letter O was considered sacred by the ancient ones and was most often not put in written form. Thus the letter U is sometimes used instead of the letter O. One may also find ancient scripts, Tamundi, or text, having the same words absent the vowels. Excuse me. A-E-I-O-U, the same vowels, and sometimes Y. Such ancient writings may contain only consonants. This same grammatical principle applies to the spellings Muslim and Muslim, which meaning bones, muscle, and tissues. In that case, everybody is a Muslim and a Muslim. Am I right or wrong? A lot of people think that the word Muslim or Muslim uh, refers to a certain religion, but it does not. It does not. It is not religion. It's not a religion. It refers to bone, muscles, and tissues. Does it refer to anybody? Uh, uh, European or Asian can be a Muslim or a Muslim because they are made of bone, muscles, and tissues. Okay? It says here, the fountain of youth are sought to be by many who came to the North Gate, North America, in the early part of contemporary North American history. It's in reference to the Moorish high culture science, involving a working knowledge of the 12 signs of the zodiac, geometry and navigation. And we all know that the 12 signs of zodiac, which is the clock, is based off of the 12-digit numbers. Most people say, oh, I don't deal with that stuff. I don't deal with... Uh, uh, I don't deal with uh, astrology or astronomy. I don't deal with cosmology. Yes, you do. You deal with it every day. Especially among the holy rollers, among the people, uh, most people in your church, and some people in your in your Muslim mosques as well, ironically. When you turn around, you ask them, well, what time is it? And they look at their watch, and they tell you, I said, you just dealt with it. Right there. Because that's where your zodiac, that's what, the, what all your watches and your time is based off of. The sundial. And that's how you can get them caught up. So let me move along here. <clears throat> Involving a working knowledge of the 12 signs of the zodiac, geometry, navigation, many historians have defined more or more as meaning navigator, while not totally correct. By definition, the Moors were the great navigators of the earth and the seven seas. This is why many historians equate the proper noun and native name Moor or Moor with the verb navigate. Because if you know the word Mooring, Mooring means to navigate a boat and the water to navigate toward the shores from the seas, Mooring. M-O-O-R-I-N-G. All got to do with Moors. Here it is. Recognition, social and political, 
due to the fact that the Crusaders and the Inquisitionists had conquered and colonized the lands of the Moors. Moors. The Moors had suffered a fall from grace and have lost their right for sovereign birthright position and jurisdictional powers. North America had since been under the occupational colonial powers of Europeans. A born office to establish peace, tranquility for our posterity on the land, the Moors, Moors taught to select a few European neophytes, governmental principles, embodied within the sublime ancient philosophies by way of Masonic instructions, one of the compromise for peace and friendship and for the balancing of karmic debt for the United States Republic and its Republican form of government was born. Thusly, Moors are part and parcel, part and parcel of this sad government. The sad government, okay, the word part means party to the construction of the United States government. Parcel means the land. I say it again. Let me repeat it again. The word part means a party to the construction of the United States government. Parcel means the land. Part and parcel, party to the land. Okay. The conjunction, the conjunctive political relationships established between the Moors and the Europeans in North America territories can be easily recognized by those who have been exposed to some true world history. Absent in colonial blackouts and alterations, the following is a verifiable type copy of one of the many letters written by George Washington, the ninth president of the United States Republic, to the Sultan of Morocco, Sidi Mohammed ibn Abdullah. Here, not Morocco in Northwest Africa. A lot of people want to get that mixed up. Not to get that mixed up. America is a corruption of the word Morocco or Al Morocco. Okay? Now here it is about nationality. Nationality is the quality of being and confirmed a participating part of a nation. Those who are not a part of a nation have little or no considerations forward. Nations, Congress, and Council confer to consider the economic and and political affairs of the nations. If one is outside of the order of nations, then one is hard-pressed to respect the laws of the families of nations to secure one's rights, or for the citizens of the nations to come to see one's aid or to one's service. This can be most crucially understood when one is in need due to the negating effects of slavery, forced servitude, human rights, violations, civil disorder, or if one is under colonial occupation as the presently exists in North America. The Moors of North America have been held to forced servitude and were by deviance placed outside the constitutional fold of government by the European occupiers who have branded the Moors as Negroes, Blacks, Colors, and Ethiopians. But now it is uh, people of color. Nowadays, they use the word people of color, African Americans, and black people. This is the three terms they use nowadays mostly. It's generally used. It is definitely vital and important that the new birthright status of the people, Moors, be addressed as a more formal and documented political 
format and giving considerations on a more serious social or political degree and principle level. Thus, the subject matter and issue of permanent character comes into play within the arenas of national, international, and world affairs. That's why a lot of you have to uh, have to be, be nationalized. You know, you have to get nationalized for what this man is talking about, what we all talking about, what I'm talking about tonight. You start that by you get a uh, get your documents and affidavits, and writs, and uh, and things of that sort. You know, you get affidavit, affidavit meaning. Uh, invoking traditional powers. That's what an affidavit is. And you get those papers, your free national papers, and you get certain parts of your free national papers to be notarized first. If you have a uh, private notary or you have a notary at your bank, you can do it that way. You know, you can have your papers uh, notarized by a notary, certain papers, not all your papers, but certain papers that have signatures and your signatures on them. Have them notarized when you get them get through notarizing, then you take all your papers to the county recorder of records and deeds. The county recorder of records and deeds, because the county is the real true law, the law that the Moors built. Never go to the city. The city is the corporation. You want to go to where the republic or where the law is. And you want to put it and we'll get it filed at the county recorder of records and deeds and put on the public record for the public to know that you are a free nationalized more a free nationalized living flesh and blood being. Then you go to the county after you get that done, that they send your papers back to you from the county recorder of records and deeds if they not have rebutted it in thirty days, that is law. Then you go to the county. Then go to the county uh, clerk office, not a judge. You go to the county clerk office, and to tell them that you have your name corrected, not changed. You had a name correction. The same thing you tell the, the county recorder records and deeds. The same thing before you go to the county uh, uh, clerk office that you had a name correction. And you go not a judge because you don't need to ask permission from a judge. To have your name corrected. That if you had a name change, a name change, a name, a name correction are two different things. Okay? This is what we have to do to get nationalized before you get off into anything else. Any UCCs or uh, authenticated uh, for birth certificate or any other, uh, other, other remedies. Get your nationality and birthright intact first. That's the number one, the number one, the number one biggest, the number one biggest thing you need to do as Moors. You know, you want to be, you want to become a nationalized Moor, a more national. You all are Moors already. That is your birthright. I cannot tell you that you're not a Moor. Your birthright tells you that you're a Moor. I cannot take your birthright from you. No one can take your birthright from you. But now you want to get nationalized. You want to have a free national name. Eric Johnson Bay, that is not a free national name. Richard 
Vincent L. or L. Bay. That's a, not a free national name. Reginald Williams Day or Al or Al Day or L. Day. Those are not free national names. Keeping a lot of people want to keep their strong man names and add their Bay L. Al or Day or Ali Torm and still think they got a free national name. No, they do not. I'm sorry. <coughs> I want to attach them those those free noble names, uh, no, <clears throat> tribal names, totally strong man names. We have some something like Mustafa Amin L. Or you can say Raphael Arlene Bay, something like that. That's what you want to have for a free national name. Although, again, that some of these strong man names are not actual strong man names either. A lot of those names are derived, are derivatives of our ancient foremothers and forefathers' names. Just like, for instance, I can tell you, like, the tunica with this uh, the empress peace be upon her her name was tunica but the, uh, but the english or the uh, the english name of a of a tunica is turner <clears throat> like the washita or washita the washita the united the mundi of more empire <clears throat> washita now an uh, uh, english term known as washington washington dc Denzel Washington, <clears throat> Terry Washington, but their names are, are, are actually Washita. Just to give you the idea of what I'm talking about, okay? Okay, let me go on here. <clears throat> the most of Northern, okay, now I see, uh, the most of North America have been up to four seven two and where by deviance the place outside of the constitutional form of government by the European occupiers who have branded them more as Negroes, blacks, colors, or Ethiopians, etc. is definitely vital and important for to the true birthright status of the people more is to be addressed in a more formal documented political format and given considerate on a more serious social political degree and principle level. Thus, the subject matter and issue of permanent character comes into play within the arenas of national, international, and world affairs. I had to repeat that. Says there's civil or more truth versus in full life. The social political status in case in caste position of civil or more truth means dead in the eyes of the law, or dead in view of the law. This is <clears throat> this is the past, present, and existing social and political status as assigned to all persons held under the branded and tags of Negro, Black, and colored, etc. The 180 degrees opposite social and political status counter to civil or more truths is superior and clear natural social, political, and legal status in full life. That meaning, meaning in full life, meaning in full civil and physical or full physical and civil existence. That's what they mean by in full life. In full physical and civil existence. In full life. Okay? And full life was held was and is 
uncorrupted normal and honorable status as held by the ancient forefathers of the same Moors who have been calling themselves what they are not, Negroes, blacks, and colors, etc. And full life is defined in H.C. Black's Law's Dictionary, Henry Campbell's Black Law Dictionary as ancient and modern jurisprudence as continuing, as I said before, continuing in both physical and civil existence that is neither actually dead nor civil or more tooth upon the social, political, ability, and with moral and spiritual considerations. Noble Juali, which is his free national name, was Sheikh Sharif Abdul Ali, declared to the Moors, be yourselves, and so and so we are here today to remind you of that charge, which must be fulfilled, and is in your own best interest. A lot of us don't want to become nationalized because a lot of us are afraid. We are afraid to come out of the third dimension. We are afraid to come out of the world of matter, the world, the material world. We are afraid to leave all this behind because we want to hold all this third dimension, materialistic world. We want to hold it dear. You know, we hold on to it. You know. And a lot of us would be left in the third dimension. All Moors are not going to the fourth and fifth dimension. I'm here to tell you now. Because a lot of them don't want to leave this materialistic world. They have bought and and have <clears throat> they bought into it so much. Until one day they're gonna wake up and realize that they have bought all these bill of goods they have sold themselves. And that's the truth of the matter. Okay. <clears throat> Let me re- <clears throat> move along here. Studying an ingenious way in which the occupational United States sociologists have literally dumbed down the na- Native people was by reconstructing history with the stroke of the pen. <clears throat> this act of reconstructing history served as the deed to the debasement of the reasoning minds of the ninth ethereal and nature natural freeholders of the land. Civilization was built upon the art of masonry, stone building, sacred geometry, and seven liberal arts, navigation of the seven seas, above all the science of astrology, from which all the sciences had their influence coming from the East. European psychology has been opposed and distributed to the masses of people for the intent of suppressing the natural freeholders, ancient high culture, and to prolong the karma cycle descended back to the 944,000 inhabitants of what we call planet Earth. The subjective figure by which the Europeans used in the transformation of suppressing the natural freeholders became usable or usurpable through removing the connection between the native, the native's identity and the native lands. This trinity was astrologically well thought out and well mapped out and allegorized through masons, myths like the Hiram Abib allegorical story, which, uh, which nothing but a uh, <clears throat> stop here, Hiram Bill for nothing more than a, uh, another solar mythical figure. For a lot of you Masons, 
that are listening today that don't know, know it, uh, a lot of you do know. There are uh, some uh, Prince Hall Masons and other Masons among the European Masonic Order do know that Hiram did more than another solar mythical figure. That's all it was. There was no Hiram Abiff, although Hiram Abiff is in the Bible, if you know what you're looking for. Okay, I'm going to read on. Like the Hiram Abiff allegorical story, when Hiram was hit in the head by the three ruffians buried in a shallow grave in the West, one must be, at, be an adept in nature's universe to be able to navigate through the dark. The three ruffians, you know, just dealing with the sun when it rises in the east. Then is at this uh, meridian, the highest point of the sun, power of the sun during the day, in the middle of the day. Then the sun sets in the west, sunset. That's the word set. You saw a or set. No, for a set. That I mean sunset. Uh, 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 and, and that's when the sun set. That's when it dies in the west. Those are the three ruffians. Rise in the east. <clears throat> rise in the highest meridian in the south. And it dies in the west. That's the astrological meaning of it. There are other meanings, other allegories to that which I'm not going to go into tonight. Maybe some other uh, lecture or, or maybe another blog talk show, I'll, uh, I'll delve more into it. Okay. says here, Navigating is the protocol for all matters. Having a divine purpose to exist and to be the beacon light to replenish life by the rays of the sun with the earth's elements as in a course of nine months. Nine months means completion or perfection. Another nine, another one, number, besides number seven. It says here, this process is known as nationalization. Nationalization. Say it again. This process is known as nationalization. For a person not to know his or her roots, one would be in harmonious harmonious with nature and with nations and with the law and gov that governs the human families. What we are dispensing are universal principles that constitute the sure governments all across the planet among the nations. The jure, the jure means real law, means real government. Non-de-jure means fake government, for those that didn't know. Okay. All nations across the board are broken. All nations across the board are broken down into nationalities consisting of a national flag, a constitution, a national seal, and representing representation for that nation. The constitution of these nations protects the unalienable rights and birthrights of the natural people and secure a republic form of government. Each nation practices its own laws and customs and must worship under their own vine and fig tree. In order to be recognized as a national, you must claim your national descent name and religion, and through it you will receive national and international protections at law 
For one to know the specific law that applies to self, one must first understand one's status. In order to be recognized by the nations of the earth, the nation in which you live, and by all other free national beings, one must declare his and her national name and origin, which is a major determinant of one's legal, social, and political status within or organized government within society as a whole. It is the prerogative of all civilized natural beings to honor their ancient mothers and their fathers and not and and to not preoccupy their lives and culture in pretending to be someone else who their forefathers and mothers were not. That's what I told you earlier about wearing turbans and faces, you know. A lot of people uh, uh some people know uh, what you're doing, you know, and so most people don't, which is a shame, you know, that most of our people are still lost like that. They don't know who they are. They don't know themselves. So that's why they act the way they do. Rob, steal, rape, you know, murder, you know, each other every day across the Union States of America. Because they don't have they don't have knowledge of themselves or who they are. Like I said it before early in the show, you know, that the half of this stuff wanna be going on if we have these nationality principles. You'll have some that going on, but like I said again, not to a to a degree that it is today. The only one that's holding us back is us. We are holding us back. It's not really the European. Oh, the European has a hand in it, but mainly it's us. The problem is from within. They say uh, people looking for spirituality, looking for an answer, you know, to their spirituality or their spiritual self. Well, the answer is within yourself. Most of us go to a church, a synagogue, a mosque, a cathedral, a kingdom hall. Keep on going outside of ourselves for answers. But each time you look in the mirror, the answer is right there. And this is what both of us got to realize, that this is what's going on. We we have the answer. We are the answer. Okay? Now, let me go on here. It says here, <clears throat> in the light of the benefit of the, uh, the polity of society would apply to the forlorn among us then the social responsibility of being in one's own proper person appropriate persona, must be taught, preserved, and enforced. Status, defined by Black's Law Dictionary, fourth edition. Status, the rights, the duties, the capacities, and the incapacities which determine a person's relationship to a given social class. 
through this journey of, of uplifting fallen humanity, keep in mind that rights are unalienable or inalienable and are not transferable. Rights come only through divine inheritance by way of the most high God, who is mother. You hear that, brothers? Who is mother. It's the matriarch of the human family. Because originally, a lot about a lot, uh, a lot of these these things these things were run run by ancient foremothers. It was a run under a matriarchal system. Allah is 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 the matriarch in creation of the world came. From woman, we came. The patriarch came from the matriarch. I know some brothers don't like hearing that. A lot of brothers talk about the ox. One brother wanted to say about the ox. I said the O, the the the, the, the O on the top of the ox. He said is is. The uterus of the of the female, that is, which is true, talking about the the cross represents the testicles of the male. The long alligated form represents the phallus. That's not true. The circle on top of the cross represents the uterus, and the and represents the vagina and the uterus. The two, the cross represents the fallopian tubes. The long, elongated symbol represents the birth canal, all feminine. It's all matriarch. The thing about the two, the, the two testicles and the phallus comes from European Roman influence that came later. But originally, it means... The the, the the over the uterus of the the, the 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 circle means the uterus a woman represents the system. The cross represents the two fallopian tubes and the birth canal, the long, the longer form of the ox. Originally, originally that's what it meant. If it meant originally, then that's what it means. You know, some brothers would like to argue me over that, but they can argue all they want to. Okay, I'm going to move it along here. We're running out of time. I guess I'll keep on until they cut me off. Okay. Okay, it says here, the word class is uh, defined according to the Black Law Dictionary. Class, a group of persons, things, Qualities or activities having common characteristics or attributes. The word indigenous, according to Webster's Unabridged Dictionary, 1935, states indigenous, born in a native of a country, to hear, to produce naturally, original, aboriginal native. Okay, to further specify nature of indigenous, we must define aboriginal. 
Aboriginal according to Black Law Dictionary, 4th edition. Ab-o-rig-i-nal. First original. The first inhabitants of a country. That's why I always use the word Aboriginal or Aborigine Indigenous or Aboriginal Indigenous more. I always use those terms as referring to our people. But that's who we are. I don't like using sometimes people like to use Aboriginal or something Indigenous, which is all right, you know. But it's best to use Aboriginal Indigenous or Aborigine Indigenous. Use, use them both hand in hand. Okay. <clears throat> Said the above term, listen, that give us complete and specific classification of the people who are Aboriginal and Indigenous to the land. The misconception that we call will lose out on some social and economic benefits or that we may be inconvenienced or have a fear of being discriminated against, have caused us as a people to detach ourselves from true, from our true heritage. These type of negating concepts come from the insufficiency of information. Each nation guarantees its citizens protection on the land by the national constitutions and treaties, and these guarantees are based on the principles of love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice. Take into consideration that treaties, agreements, and other Arrangements between states and indigenous peoples are properly matters of international concern and responsibility. Everyone who being Aboriginal and indigenous people have the right of autonomy, being independent and living by one's own law, as well as having an impossible possessing the right of enforcing that law. In doing so, a nation guard itself from usurpation from other, other nations. All right. Okay, so they're getting ready to cut me off. So I didn't mean to step on anybody's toes. I mean, I didn't mean to insult anyone. All I mean, all I mean to do is to inform and drop information out to the people. And I have much love for you all. And the human family, speaking to the human family and, and the rest of the human family as well. Love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice to you all and your families and loved ones. Okay? Wasamasu, which means goodbye in the Washita tongue. All right? All right. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, I see, uh, and I'll talk to you next week at this time, the same station. All right. All right, family. Peace.